Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for coming on. Just like every other episode, if you listen to something in this episode that resonates with you that you know needs to be shared out to the greater community, please share it out. Uh, today's guest, his name is Mark Arrington. I met Mark about a year ago. Uh, I was up at a VFW meeting. Uh, I, I take part in the uh, in the local VFW and stay, uh, stay affiliated and stay working and volunteering up there. And <clears throat> at that meeting, I was going to make a proposal that we give some money to a veteran uh that had came across you know my window basically uh somebody that knew knew me decided to share with me that this veteran was in need he was a former 03 uh 31 machine gunner uh fought uh you know on the front lines of the nation's battles as a you know infantry grunt and then you know gets out during covid going to school to be a you know, uh, I believe a registered nurse in the end, but was in school for that and um, to fight again, uh, selfless act to, you know, give back and was tragically hit with, you know, a situation where he lost his wife during the pregnancy of or the delivery of daughter, um, daughter, son, daughter, daughter, right. And um, baby's born. Now this guy loses his, you know, his wife and he's just in a just a horrible situation, just a situation that when I was told about it, just gutted me. It's just like, if I possess any power to help this person, this is the person you help. If you're at the VFW, if you have, you know, my thought was if we have anything in us as a VFW to take care of veterans of foreign wars, this guy has put it on the line time and time again, and now has been struck with a, with a complete catastrophe, a complete tragedy, and we should help this person. And so I gave my pitch at the VFW members meeting, they agreed to give like $1,000 or $1,500, which I thought was great because we're giving and, and people are giving, but that doesn't, that wasn't going to do it like that. I needed to find something else. And I guess as fate would have it, I don't know any other way really to look at it. Mark was there on his first, you know, members meeting, I believe, or one of the first members meetings. I think it might've been the first one. First one. And, um, kind of connected with me after and said, you know, I don't know what this means or what we can do, but I had just gotten, you know, a transmission or an email from my, the boss of my company, who's really looking to help a veteran in need, you know, for the holidays. And I was like, Oh my God. And so really I, I passed it over to Mark from there. And Mark was able to, with his company raise a, in an astronomical amount of money and, and help this guy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but that was my introduction, uh, my introduction to Mark Arrington as somebody that I wanted to know more about. And then he followed that on with being involved up there running the first and then second annual cruise, trying to raise money for, um, different foundations, including the, the Marine Raider Foundation, uh, the Marine Raider Foundation and, and, and others that we'll talk about. And this is somebody that's like, Hey, hang on. We're in the same vein. We're trying to do the same um, mission uh, by different means, and we need to 
we need to collaborate and, and have a conversation. So Mark Arrington, thanks for coming out to the show, man. I appreciate you making the drive down here to, uh, to be involved and, and to record, man. All right, man. I appreciate you having me, man. And everything that you've done for me so far. Uh, well, likewise, I, I appreciate everything you've done for me and, and, and continue to do for the community, uh, warfighting community in the local area. Um, usually in the beginning, I just ask some pointed questions. You've heard some of my shows, so you probably, yeah. you know, have an idea, but, um, I want to know the family culture in which you come from, where you come from, the people you come from, siblings, um, was religion in the household, sports, things of that nature. And, and so I can kind of understand where you come from. Yeah. So I'm one of six. So my dad was a busy man. Uh, my dad is a physician. Uh, his family is long line of physicians in the South. Born in Pascagoula, Mississippi, which is about as south as you can get in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little bit turbulent from that. You never know. Um, but, you know, my mom and my father were both present there um, during my upbringing. I can't really complain. I had the, you know, the classic type of upbringing, you know, strong neighborhood. Kids were always running around. We always, like, had a lot of interaction with everybody else. We had the house that everybody would come over to. Sure. Um, and, you know, it was just a good upbringing. But, um, you know, I would, you know, born... Born in Mississippi, raised in, you know, Alabama and Florida. And then, uh, you know, I kind of was a troubled youth a little bit, um, all because of my own fault, right? And I made choices, <laughs> you know, we're on a podcast called Choices. So, I mean, I was a troubled youth, but I tell you what, I mean, I think through my, my trials and tribulations as a young man, it kind of made me think a different way, mm -hmm. made me a little bit more street smart than I probably would have been with my upbringing that I had at the time. And, you know, I, uh, I had a lot of lucky breaks, man. A lot of, a lot of people that helped me out that didn't have to, um, mm -hmm. you know, law enforcement, um, school principals, you know, sheriffs at the sheriffs at my high schools or whatever else. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, I was a shithead, <laughs> you know, straight up. I was De define shithead. Oh, dude, just, I was, I was not going the right way. You know what I mean? I was probably <laughs> heading to prison. Um, and you know, people I uh, helped out. Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, the Marine Corps helped out. Honestly, mm. man, I was, uh, you know, one of those just kind of misguided youths, not because of any sort of parenting issues or whatever else. Mm -hmm. so it was my own fault. I take ownership of it today. Mm. But, you know, if I would not have gone into the Marine Corps, you know, some stuff would have changed. And I mean, truth be told, everybody wants to talk about like where they were at during 9-11. I was in ninth grade up in North, Car or North Dakota because I had ran away from freaking Florida to North Dakota uh, when I was 13, which, um, you know, it happened. And then, uh, you know, I was up in North Dakota and I'm sitting there watching Channel One News. Do you remember Channel One? It mm. was like, well, they had it on like some of the high schools or whatever else. It was like student network oh, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. the hell else. And, um, you know, here comes, you know, here comes the uh, Twin Towers coming down. I'm like, nah, mm. dude, like, you don't, you don't come over and mess with America on our soil. Right. Yeah. And then, um, even in know, ninth grade, you feel that way. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I always, you know, it was one of those things in the back of mind. I always wanted to be like a Marine. Mm. Um, you know, I come from a family of healers, like on my mom's side and my dad's side, both long legacy of physicians. Mm -hmm. Um, my grandmother was one of the first physicians ever to graduate as a female out of the university of Berlin. Oh wow. And then, um, you know, going back on her side, I mean, they had a lot of war torn things, obviously coming from Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, half of, half of that side is Jewish. So my my father my grandfather's side actually had to escape Nazi Germany. My great grandparents died during the Holocaust. Um, that the you know apparently they committed suicide before they had to go up to the ghettos from mm. the family story that we had heard. Um, but but then my granddad actually went over to the Philippines, which is where they had my mom. But he actually was if you know 
family legacy and the way that things are passed down actually are accurate or not. I don't know. I was not there. But, um, you know, he actually was a, um, a spy for, okay. um, you know, he did some clandestine opportunities against the Japanese because the Japanese looked at him as a German. The Japanese did not factor in, you're a German Jew. Mm-hmm. So... Um, he was able to actually teach the, uh, the like he would go on there and teach him how to box and everything else and then obviously he was passing information to the Allies during World War II. Wow! And then he was able to come over here. Some I guess some second generation American because my mom was obviously born in the Philippines. So I think that makes me second generation. Second generation. I don't know. Dude. Yeah, I mean you know either way, but I mean <laughs> you know having that type of background and um, but did, did, was there was there times that that. Did you hear stories growing up of of oh, those yeah. things that mm-hmm. that was that was open and shared? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh okay. yeah. I mean that was. I mean that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean even um my grandmother we called her Omi which is German for grandmother. Uh, she lived to be ninety six and I mean even at her funeral she had wrote memoirs about what it was like when the Russians came in mm. and being stopped at checkpoints when she was trying to escape Germany at the time and how terrified she was because she had so many of her other friends that you know, had very bad things happen to them. Cause mm-hmm. obviously when the, um, when the Russians went in there, they were not nice to the German people. Mm-mm. Um, which I think would, if you look at history, it was probably a pretty bad thing that we let them take Berlin, but you know, they probably made the best decision that they could have made at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you grow up having this rich history of, of not only, you know, people that served, in some sort of rebellion, mm-hmm. some sort of military, but also on the clandestine side, possibly, and in a very uh, geopolitical atmosphere. Right. I mean, and, and yeah. so if you're if you're you know inundated with that coming up, and that's the you know stories that you're being told, then I would say that being a marine is probably a pretty good route to take. Yeah. Like that's probably what it would feel like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people follow in their father's footsteps and stuff, and I mean, you know, my my father was a physician, and they're just there was nothing about that that I really wanted to do. I love my father. He's a brilliant man, Mm. but there was just some thing in me that was like, cool. I want to take the road less traveled by, like I want to go to the left. Um, and you know, obviously I was a (laughs) little bit of an angrier young man in my younger days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it just wanted to fight. And, um, you know, the Marine Corps very much taught me, you know, discipline. It taught me how to take care of others in front of myself, man. And I mean, selflessness. Yeah. I mean, and I was, I was in charge from day one, like straight up. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about, you know, if you hire a veteran, if you're dealing with veterans in the community, I mean, those are people that are going to take charge and they're going to take ownership of wherever the hell they're at. That's right. Because that's what they were, that's what they were made to do. That's right. And the Marine Corps does a good job. I've said it a lot of times on the show before, but the Marine Corps does a good job of making you lead or, or, or fail to lead at least they, at least you give you the opportunities at a very early early time in your life. I mean, I think the first squad I led was at 22, 21, maybe I was leading a squad into combat, led squads after that, probably way better, Mm -hmm. but I had those early, you know, those early stepping stone deployments to, to kind of mold me. And you would hope that all that would come in training. It's just a fact that in our timeline coming in, it was a constant in and out rotation. So You know, there was training, but it wasn't always, you know, probably what you wanted it to be or as long as you wanted it to be. You know, here, here I always say like this, right? So you're already fucked up. Now fix it. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's the Marine Corps mentality. Like mm-hmm. there, you, there's nothing perfect, right? You know, mm-hmm. maybe Chesty Puller someplace, wherever he <laughs> is at. Uh, he might have been the last perfect Marine, but everybody else is trying to keep, catch up. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. 
you're, you know, you're fucked up from the jump, fix it, and then always get better. Because ultimately, it's not about you. It's about the dude behind you to your right and left. That's right. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. Hell yeah. Absolutely. That's my, that's my favorite uh, leadership principle. Absolutely. And you have to be honest with yourself to carry that through. Because nobody likes to admit where they struggle or where they're faulty or where they're uneducated. Nobody likes to have that conversation. But I think it behooves anybody out there, especially if you're a NCO in the ranks right now, to find a mentor who is not afraid to bust you and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be open-minded enough to say, yep, roger that. Know yourself, get that improvement on. So that's a little, just a little caveat right there. So I would also say that, so you're inundated with this growing up. You have family history, rich family history of, of, uh, of things we've mentioned growing up and then you have a nine 11 and the way I've worded it in the past uh, for myself is that I had this yearning for adventure and for, um, but it was just displaced. I had nothing to aim at. And then when nine 11 happened, it like ignited that purpose. Like this is what you were supposed to be headed to. Mm-hmm. Did you have that same kind of feeling or uh, when it became like the purpose I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, shit during my senior year right all i did was fucking run and train to go be in the marines i was in a delayed entry program mm-hmm. 10 months before i ever fucking graduated mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm-hmm. it was that was that and you know and i just started kind of pushing myself in that direction um obviously i wish i would have had some other marines possibly like my family or extended family where i could go on and talk to them about like hey like this is a job they're gonna offer me or whatever else but hey at the end of the day the marine corps recruiter is really fucking good <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, it's fact. Yeah, that's fact. That's fact. He can sell anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I ended up joining, I wish I would have joined a different job starting off, but I can't really say that because hindsight's always 2020 yep. and you know, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now as everything going on. Like I'm, I'm in a good place. Like man. in general, it seemed to have worked itself out. Correct. Yeah. Now tell me about that. You didn't come in as an O3. What'd you come in as? I came in as a 6541 and I was told that I was going to fly around the back of C-130s and drop shit out, which is not what they do whatsoever. <laughs> And, um, you know, and what's that designator for though? Um, that's ordnance aircraft or aircraft ordnance, aircraft yep. ordnance. Yep. Okay. So yeah, you're loading bombs and mm-hmm. unloading bombs and yeah. things of that nature. So, so there's two separate ones, right? So there's like O level and I level, I level like builds the bombs, whereas O level hangs the bombs. Okay. So I was I level and personally, I'll be really honest. I'm not a super mechanically sound person. That's <laughs> not my, that's not my bread and butter. It's not your forte. That's not my forte. And, uh, you know, they're like, cool, here, go build bombs and shit. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll figure it out. And I was successful at it. Um, you know, I, you know, I took care of my people and I, you know, did what I needed to do, but I very much was like, wow, this is not what I joined the Marine Corps for. You know what I mean? And I'm sure no, not at all. I mean, it's a different stroke than what you thought you were getting into. It it was. And I don't think it quite fit my mentality well Mm. either. Right. I was Mm. like fucking Motard Mark over there. Um, you know, PT and the air wing guys, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, hey I bet they loved you. Oh yeah. They, well, they actually did, man. I yeah. at the end of the day, they really do, man. Um, when you, when you actually treat everybody equally, like we're all, like we're all here, man. You know well, I mean? the one thing is like when you were there, you went there first. Yeah. If you went there second, it might, would have been different. You might would have felt yeah. it because culturally it is a different world. Yeah. Culturally. It's a different culture. It's a different oh. culture completely. Mm-hmm. It's all one Marine Corps. I understand that, but special operators and infantry guys come from this culture over here. And generally, you know, anybody that's not ground direct ground support is going to have a different culture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, signs saying you can't cuss in the office kind of culture, which, yeah. which is almost laughable 
when you come from the other side. Like, mm-hmm. what? Fuck that. I need you help. You know, I need... Yeah. Come here. Lunch? What? Come here. I need you. You know, mm-hmm. but if you go to that side first, it's like, okay, you know, I'm still going to do my thing. I'm still going to be a Marine and I know where I want to go. Correct. Or did you yet? Did you know where you wanted to go? Oh, first thing I did when I got to the fleet as a Lance Cooley is I put in a recon package and I got told, no asshole, like you're going to be an ordinance man. You were trained to be an ordinance man, go on a deployment, come back and then you can go recon. Um, which, so that's, so you knew though, that this isn't my world and I need to get in that other world instantly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Instantly. Um, to the point where I tried to have it changed in boot camp. It's just the only person that could have it changed in boot camp was the guide and I wasn't the guide. So that, oh, yeah, that, check. that, that instant. Yeah. And uh, that's 2004, right? 2004. Yeah. Same, same yep. year I came in. Yeah. Cause I mean, I had all my buddies and I mean, they were just shipping out back and forth, man. Just, you know, going, uh, most of them were infantry, mm-hmm. um, and they were just going back and forth, man, six months on, six months off, right, which is what I signed up to do. Um, you know, I just kind of listened to what my recruiter told me at the time. It was like, oh, man, just go recon second you hit the thing. and uh, Like it's just no big deal, and you'll have well, plenty of opportunity? Well, if I would have been 03, it would have been easy because I, sure. I went through, and I got, like, water survival fucking one going through boot camp because the drone structures just drowned the shit out of me the whole time. Oh, yeah. But I was a swimmer growing up, so I was – Right. with it right and anybody that did that that was an 03 went straight recon so would have been a thing yeah would have been a thing i just fucking <laughs> you know i signed the contract at the wrong point you know what i mean but it's all i good. get it I it's get all it. good they got me but uh you know i had to work through that for a while you know um and then i finally you know went over to um to marsoc and uh, i think i went and tried out in like 2010 and you know i was i was an air winger going through marsoc obviously they're like hey, you ain't gonna fucking make it i was i was candidate one Mm. which i'm oh, good that was your number oh yeah zero one Sweet. yeah which never number one never makes it um it's, it's just you know it's, it's one of those like saying well did you train up for it oh hell yeah Fuck so yeah. you do your you do your time in the air wing mm-hmm. you come back mm-hmm. now did you go to iraq with the air wing yep. right okay yep. so then you come back from that deployment you've got a deployment on your belt and they're like okay you can go try out pretty much so yep. you go to recon and you take an indoc uh, no, or you go to Marsoc. Marsoc. Yeah, Marsoc. You go to A&S. So you go to A&S. Yep, you go to A&S at the time and you do the NDOC. Right. So now you're at A&S as number zero one. Zero one. And they're saying there's no way you're going to make it. No way I'm going to make it. Yep. Sorry. Because you're an air winger. Oh, yeah. That's why. Oh, no. And zero one, apparently. It's just one of those fucking... Like... One of those, like... Traditions? Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Supposedly zero one never makes it, right? Um, and I was an air winger at the time, so yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like... So you had some things stacked against you in the, in the instructor's eyes, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But you were extremely physical fit, and you could swim good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was a team player. Team player. Um, well, yeah. that's that's kind of what ANS is going to find out, right? They oh, don't absolutely. really care if you're the number one best runner they want you good but if you care about the team over yourself peer reviews baby yeah yeah Yeah. if your peer reviews straight up say that you're like you know trying to do everything for yourself or whatever else man they'll that shit gets sniffed out in a heartbeat and the second you get that stigma like you like you're done it's done yeah Yeah, you're done i don't care how fast you are whatever else that's gonna happen in ans but that shit happens in the fleet i mean we have to wade through it in the fleet a little more because at least where you're going people had to come and sacrifice and hurt to try to get through to do to be there and it's just not the case in the fleet you got guys that came because they didn't want to go to jail and other reasons Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like um i always admired that i always looked looked up to sf and uh raider you know recon raiders all sf because they'd operate different another it's a it's a different culture again and uh, another thing and we'll talk about a little bit later um when we kind of get to the end but uh um I like the way SF and uh, and all of the branches take care of their dudes even after they're injured, wounded, mm-hmm. sick. 
and it's not like that in the fleet. It's like, oh, you're taking up a boat space. I need a new NCO. You're gone. You know, yeah. somebody else's problem is how it's looked at. Where in SF, it's not like that. Oh, you want to get better? All right, we're going to get you better. You got a year to get better. Oh, you want to keep going? I don't care that you don't have a leg. I'm going to let you keep going as long as you can pass all of these things. Right. Yeah. And that's just never the case, you know, in the fleet or wasn't while I was coming up. They're trying to get better about it. And I'm actually part of a veterans business collective and I'm, you know, whole frontedly pushing this initiative where, you know, guys are going through their little TRS thing, or whatever else that mm-hmm. obviously they've already put in their paperwork. They're getting out. Right. So like the Marine Corps essentially has lost them at this point, mm-hmm. but give them to us for at least for just for an hour and let us kind of like say, Hey, this is what civilian life is actually like. This is the ways that we can benefit you going forward where you're not going to have to make all like the same mistakes and mm-hmm. go through all the same pain that I did. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is honestly, you know, if you want to talk about like philosophically, it's the idea of like shoulders of giants. What does that actually mean? It pretty much means that we always base everything that we do off of great works of the past. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And why, you know, give them to us for like an hour of their time and let us school them up. If, Hey, we're just going to make you be more successful in the future because we've already gone through all the muck yep. and water of this civilian world yep. and let us help you get better. Cause that's what the shit's supposed to all be about. A hundred percent. And I think that, um, I think that's huge because steps and taps TRS, these are not, I don't care what anybody thinks about them. They're not good programs. Yeah. They do not transition you. Like, and I know that I, at least I think the Marine Corps is getting a bit better because they have that skill bridge now mm-hmm. where you can intern under other yep. people for an extended period of time. And I think that's great. I yep. think that's actually trying to set somebody up. Um, and the biggest thing that I find where I try to fill in in, in my vein is uh, those guys that get out and they lose purpose or they don't have purpose. And I try to tell them, like, you don't understand what it's like until day one of being retired and there's a hole inside you because you're not fulfilling a selfless, bigger-than-self act anymore, even though you might not have realized that's what that came from when you were active. Yeah. So you might get out and think that you're going to be perfectly fine until it starts eating at you, that you're not feeling that anymore. And the only thing I've found to, to fill that for me is to give back, be more selfless. And the more selfless you could be, the blessings are returned somehow. Oh, yeah. It always figures itself out but i don't have to walk karma whatever you want to call it dude yeah whatever you want to call it but i don't walk around with that pit anymore feeling like i'm not doing something Mm -hmm. like and that is what that pit comes from and if you're transitioning try it just try going and helping somebody with with zero expectation that they'll ever see you again or know of you and when you do that you'll find a little peace i guarantee it if you've never done it you'll find a lot of peace so sorry, just had no, to no, segue no, right no, there totally, because, totally and that's that's another thing that why I wanted to sit down and talk to you because every single interaction we've had, we've been helping people. Either I was trying to help somebody, you were trying to help me help somebody, you're trying to help other people with your cruises, um, and I'm like this this is somebody that I need to talk to because of that. Like we're very alike in that in that uh, in that frame. So okay, so let's move on to here, and I, I don't want to talk too much about ANS because. You guys that are getting ready to go into ANS don't need, you know, in my opinion, don't need to hear anything about ANS. Like, it should be a surprise. It should be a secret. And you should be, you know, judged without any uh, foreshadowing from anybody else, in my opinion. So train that it hard. stays, yeah, train, train hard. hard. You train know, hard. suck it up. It's going to yep. suck and, and you got to get through it. Um, but take me from after there, because after that, things are going to change from you once you. Once you oh, pass, yeah. or let's say, take me to the point where you find out that you have been selected. 
So, I mean, I was uh, part of like the auto selects list. So they have a couple different lists and I'm not going to go deep into it or whatever else, but there's certain ones that you're like, cool. And depending on which CEO at the time, they kind of can change up the program as they see fit. But I was on the auto select list. So essentially we get brought outside and everybody, of course, like, you know, if you're a humble Marine, you're like, oh, dude, I didn't make it. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, probably until you see the company that you're around because you know who's good and Mm -hmm. who's not at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, there's no fucking way he's going home. Right. <laughs> I'm in a good I found my points. He found it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, we get taken out, and then obviously they bring us over to our gear. We get to make a phone call, right? This is, and you never really realize how nice a phone call is until you can't do it anymore, oh, right? Yeah, like, dude. phone call from boot camp, phone call from Iraq, Afghanistan, like a phone call actually starts to actually matter again. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, now you're back here, it's just like, oh, I don't have entertainment for two seconds, and all of a sudden I'm empty. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you, you, you get selected, you go, and then, and then it's time to train, man. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. It's not time to slack off. No, but I mean, time. what happens, like, so so you, you, you're like, okay, I'm selected. Does automatically, does your MOS designator change over, or do mm-hmm. you have to then go to school, then it changes? Like, how's that all work? Well, so you become an 03XX, right? Okay, so okay. after you get selected, you get put in the pool of, um, you know, guys that are going to be selected for training, right? So then you go to the individual training course, and depending on, like, where at, like there's a bunch of nuances obviously the monitor sure, has sure. to release you from one but obviously marsoc for the most part takes precedence over most other things unless it's just a very special billet that you're filling or something right else. right um yes yeah, so, i mean you get selected you go to itc um obviously in between ans and itc for all the new guys that are going to be going through do not slack off obviously remain healthy during that time but mm-hmm. your ass needs to be working out because itc is like ANS. Off. oh yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, ITC is a break-off session the entire time, and it's freaking nine months long, yep. and it's like every day is every day you're there to work. You're proving something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even, I mean, yeah, always, man. At, at the end of the day, I think everybody needs to prove something to themselves every day, regardless 100%. of whatever the hell they do. But if you think about it, I had, uh, what well, you said you listened to Gordon Emanuel uh, on the way up here. Mm-hmm. He made a good comment in his episode saying there are probably only two places that you actually have to prove yourself every single day in the Marine Corps. And that's training or going into combat mm-hmm. in the recruiting field. Because yeah. almost every other place you can show up, you can do bare minis, you can etch through. But if you don't make quota and if you don't fight like somebody's trying to kill you, those are two places that's the proving ground. You have to. Yep. You have to. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, going through everything, man, I always just looked at every place I always went, dude. I always wanted to be number one at every sure. one of them. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like, why wouldn't you? You know what yeah, I mean? Why are you doing it? Yeah, why are you doing it? Like, I mean, cool. Like, take some humble pie when you're not number one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And but learn from number one. Absolutely. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, just push yourself as hard as you fucking can because at the end of the day, you get one chance at this. Yeah, you're not getting out of this alive. You know what I mean? Nobody's getting out of this <laughs> shit alive. And I'd rather I'd rather be on my deathbed thinking like, yo, dude, my knees hurt, my back hurts, I but pushed. I fucking pushed it, dude. Yep, you know what it. I mean? I pushed the envelope the best that I could. And and you got kids, right? Oh yeah. Who are they watching? Absolutely. You gotta push. That's where you have like to. you got twelve years right. in the beginning of their life to make an impact on who they thought their dad was, right? Correct. Um, yeah. I try to push that hard too because most of my peers are, you know, I, we came in the same year. Most of my peers got two, three hit of kids now mm-hmm. on the verge of retirement and dropping that pack and kicking into that easy life. And it's Shit. like, nah, dog. Yeah, how old are your kids? Six, eight, ten, like mine. Five, yeah. five and eight, dude. Yeah, yeah, right. So you got. You got to push or oh, yeah. they're not going to know like the machine that you are now. If mm-hmm. you don't continue to push and continue to instill into them hard work and effort, we got a nation full of people that don't want to work right now. Oh, yeah. The pack's um, never off. 
right? The pack's never it can. off. It's it can. never off. It's it can off. change. It can change shape and form. Yep, it's up here now more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? Like it's not on my back as much as it was, but it's yeah, more. Yeah. It's more up here now, man. But at the end of the day, like um, that's a heavy pack up there too, though. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, man. Because I mean, I tell you what, you get out and you get into the civilian world, and I mean, I'm commission based. Right, like mm-hmm. that—that that is a you don't sell, up, you don't make money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you want to talk about like you can be as good as you think you're at your job, but how much money did you make last month or mm-hmm. whatever else? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very, very clear, concise thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I always looked at it like a lot of my guys would get out and be like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna go get this GS job, or I'm gonna go get this salary job, or whatever else, man." And what I always tell them is this: "Cool, bro. Like that salary job pays you ten thousand dollars a month, but you ain't making twelve. Mm-hmm. Never. Never, not one month, never." Yeah. Like, so you got to wait for some dude to freaking die mm-hmm. in order to take over his job or retire in 10 years. And I mean, that's just, to me, that's, that, that's a prison. Well, and it, de- well, it depends on who you are, I think. It is. Because there are people who are employee mindset mm-hmm. driven. Hey, I'm going to do, this is my job. I'm going to do this job. This is how many hours I'm going to do this job. And that's the check I'm getting. And I like that. It might not be prison to them. That might be structure. Absolutely. Coming into your world saying, I don't know, babe, I only sold one house and I got six days to sell another one or or the mortgage bill doesn't get paid. I better get hungry. It's time to grind, right? Mm -hmm. And some people get off on that. My dad has been, that's been his grind for his entire life. That's what I watched up growing. Company to company to opportunity to opportunity. But it's like, that's his mindset. And he would feel like this was a prison over here, this eight hours doing this for somebody else. That's Mm -hmm. what he would feel like. Yep. And he did that time, and then eventually snapped and said, "Nope, I'm going to have my own. Whether it's big or small, it's going to be mine." Right. And um, I think that's liberating because for me, I was always employee. That's a lot of I risk. Got, that's I a got lot of paid, risk. I got paid twice a month from the Marine Corps mm-hmm. my entire adult life. Yep. And then transition happened, and and, and I, you know, I'm blessed. I, the Marine Corps took care of me. I didn't stop. Like I, you got to keep grinding. You got to keep giving back. And damn the money. Like you have to do something. You sit there with your thoughts and your memories of your friends and you will spin and nothing gets better that way. Sitting still, you have to keep going forward. So no, I totally agree, man. I think a lot of, and I think a lot of the problems that a lot of guys have with, you know, things that have happened in the past, a, you know, we can have an argument. Is it more natural to kill somebody or not natural? I don't think it's a natural thing to kill your own species. It's just not, um, you know, even like if you look at like apes and everything else, very seldomly when they go, they actually go to fucking war. Oh yeah. And very, very seldomly is there any fatalities. Mm -hmm. They will hurt each other. They will maim each other. But at the end of the day, they do not kill each other. Mm -hmm. It is kind of unnatural. We just have these just magnificent weapons of war nowadays it just 100%. makes it too fucking easy um i don't think it's yeah i, I agree with physically you it, it's easy. different it's physically not mentally easy no, physically yeah. easy it yeah, is yeah, not physically. hard to fucking squeeze a trigger on a machine gun right but back in the day it was like cool how long do you have your fucking longbow for before you're fucking accurate or how, how many good swings can you take with that 20 pound sword yeah yeah, and I guarantee you, swing that sword. You're worrying about that sword hitting you back too. Oh, yeah. Somebody else, somebody else is right in front of you, right? But that's mm-hmm. you know they didn't. I don't know. We, we, I agree uh, with you. It's not natural. I think. It's not. Grossman talks about it in On Killing and On Combat, um, mm-hmm. and these are books that are great books. In our time, were required readings for NCOs yeah. coming up. 
And I don't know if they still are, and if they're not, they should be. They're still on the list. Um, now, whether or not people actually read them or not... Is, dude, I, I hope they're getting better about that. Um, you should you should try to read a book every week if you can. Oh, my gosh. Um, Audible saved me so much. I was just never a fast reader. Mm. You know what I mean? You and click then, them on while you're traveling oh, or something? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. And I got this other uh, app called Blinkist, whereas if you like, you don't know if you want to listen to the book or not, you can hear like a 15-minute synopsis, and you're like, okay, cool. I, I was digging what they were talking about the book, and then you I go want get more. the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I want more because at the end of the day, man, just like you said, like constantly pushing forward, constantly seek knowledge, right? It's oh, the yeah. same thing you talked about. Know thyself and seek self-improvement. You don't know everything, right? I like to think of shit like <laughs> Socrates, right? The only thing I know is that I know nothing. <laughs> the more I know, the more I know I know nothing yes. about it at Hell all. Hell yeah, dude. And that that's... was my college experience, yeah. Okay. And if you think you're the smartest person in your circle, you need to get a new damn circle. Mm-hmm. That's point blank, period. If you are the best in your sphere of influence and there's nobody influencing you, like that's great that you're influencing your 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 sphere, especially if it's positive. But if you don't have somebody that's mentoring you and influencing, you know, teaching, helping you grow from there, then what are you doing? Right. You're sitting still. Yeah. Uh, and Shit, you're gonna get why, passed up sitting still. That's why I go to Muay Thai and get my ass beat, man. I see the shiner on the yeah, eye. Dude, I love I it, mean, man. I bro, see you get him like, yeah, oh yeah, dude. I mean, get after it. I mean, I'll, there's always going to be somebody better at Muay Thai than me, hundred mm-hmm. percent, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's always going to be some humbling thing. And, you know, you get punched in the face and you're like, oh, I messed up. That was my fault. And I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn a lesson from that. I'm going to learn a lesson from it. I'm going to constantly get better. Just yeah. like any any mistake that we make. I think that um, so many people are so scared about failing. Oh, yeah. Dude. And uh, they don't ever, like, they don't ever push themselves to achieve greatness. And, like, I swear, like, I see it through, like, my friends, uh, just people that I talk with on a daily basis. They will sit there and talk themselves out of a good idea. And you're less like, why? Just go. Hit like, the gas and take a chance. Leave right, the shore, right. right? Fail a thousand times to succeed once, man. You know what I mean? I seen a quote the other day that said, while you sit here in self-doubt and pity of what you could be, others are intimidated by your potential. Yeah. Others how. look at you and go, God, look how great they could be. Yeah. And you sit there thinking, ah, am I good enough? Yeah. Like, take a chance one time. Right. Go... Let me show you who I am. That's the attitude you should take into it. You know, any endeavor. I'll show you how great I am. And if you don't have that, and you know, a lot, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people do have that. Um, you know, maybe it's the way they were raised. Maybe it's the culture that they came from. Maybe somebody didn't tell them that they were good enough for anything their whole life. But at some opposite. point, you have to break that. Or, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're yeah. It could, it could be a little too much of both. Yeah, yeah of, of one or the other. Yeah. Children should grow up knowing that they're capable of anything and that they should be pushed and that they're going to be pushed to be their best. And, um, and we need to also be doing that to ourselves for sure. Don't be afraid. You know, E-Man, that's one of the quotes out of E-Man's work. Uh, just don't be afraid to leave the shore, leave the shore. Like, like you got at some point, look back and say, yeah, that opportunity is worth taking a risk and then take the risk. The worst thing that can happen is it all falls apart and you got to start over. But people have been doing that forever. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really successful people have been doing that. So, um, yeah, man, leave the shore. Okay, so you go through the nine li- uh, the nine month ITC. Let's get back to the. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, get, sorry, we're all no, over no, the place. Get straight it's all good, man. It's, it's all, all good. Me. This is how I usually think, anyways. I'm all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Garage talks, man. Hey, it's all good, man. Um, so you get done with ITC, and you what? You fall into a team then, or yep. you get placed, or how's that work yep. out? Yeah. So you, you get done with ITC, and um, depending on how well you rank up, right, you kind of get to pick your battalion. So first, second, and third. And at the time I was going through, first was the one that was going to Hellman um, quite a bit. 
and they were going over there deploying quite rapidly. And then all of our leadership, all of our instructors for the most part, I mean, it was called like first Marine Special Operations School because we had so many people from first over there. So obviously they were pretty influential. Like, you know, you look up to those guys mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I wanted to go over to first. So I went over to first and, uh, I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Afghanistan, let's go. Right. You know? And, uh, they were like, okay, yeah. First, um, it's now regionalized and, um, <laughs> didn't get, didn't get that region. Yeah. Well, you got, I got Paycom, um, which was strategically important, but, at the end of the day, that's, you know, you know, I get, I joined, I was air winger, not what I wanted to do. Go to Marine Special Operations. I was like, okay, cool. You know, 9-11, this is what I joined for. And then, you know, there's like, okay, cool, Paycom. And, uh, you know, I get put over on a team over there. I get put on a free fall team. Now, now for people that don't know what Paycom is. Uh, Pacific Command. Yep. And so where are you going to be operating in Pacific Command? So Pacific Command, usually you're going to be in and around Guam and okay. then just kind of branch out, right? So like Guam's kind of like our, our, base hopping that's the hub okay yeah that's kind of where we that's where we go most for the most part like we fell under a seal command but things have changed and you know i don't want to get into too too much of you know where sure, we're sure. All geographically located and everything else but um, a lot of things have changed but obviously we're in the philippines quite heavily now yeah, um, that's yeah. kind of gone in and out um, but you know, obviously being over in paycom counter china was kind yeah. of like our main thing that's so, the goal mm -hmm. now was that the goal when you got there oh when i got there um it was mostly korea yeah. At the time, we were... Because uh, you know, what year was it when you... When uh, it you was, I was 13. 13 year... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that makes sense. And then, yeah. a, and then a shift comes to the Pacific after Mattis releases the... Uh, I would want to say like 14. Like 14 is when like the stuff really started pushing out. But then, I mean, during Obama, I mean, he did his, uh, national, national, Secu his national security strategy very much was a big pivot to China. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and, you know, obviously China's great. I mean, it's a competitor of ours. Obviously, I very much, you know, I do not personally think that it behooves anybody in this type of globalization that we find ourselves in to have a huge conflict like that ever again. No. Like, look at look at Ukraine and Russia. It's not going to work out well. Look at, I mean, you know, Afghanistan, personally, we should have made that a punitive war and called it what it was, gone over there, did what we needed to do, and, you and know, said thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, that's what that should have been. Um, unfortunately, we want to think that if we break something, we have to fix it. And mm -hmm. it doesn't always work out that way, which is just, you know, the Powell Doctrine, which goes back to World War II. But World War II was a different thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just totally different thing. Um, I think they were trying to educate them. I think that, that that's one of our goals and, and maybe necessary goals. Because if you look at the amount of people that tried to invade Afghanistan, specifically the Panjshir Valley where the resistance is from, mm -hmm. I mean, all the way back to Alexander the Great, Tamerlan, all the way through, yeah. one of the big mistakes that was documented was that they'd come over there and crush them and, and never set anything up to, to, um, to educate them mm -hmm. onto like proper culture or how they wanted them to end up. And it's like, I don't know if you really can do that there. Um, but 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 you but you're gonna run but into to something. spend billions of dollars to continue to build up the things that you broke has been one of my pet peeves the whole time. It's like if you fucked with America, maybe you need your stuff broke. Maybe it needs to take you a decade to build your infrastructure back up. 
Well, it's nation building is nation building, right? But nation building, like, cool. Like, if I'm building Paris, that's different. Paris mm-hmm. is older than we are, right? They mm-hmm. have hundreds and hundreds of years of their culture that is established in their. It's a mm-hmm. Western country. You cannot say that I'm going to go over to Afghanistan and then try to impede on their culture that they have over there because they have a very old culture as well. Mm-hmm. It's just their culture is not like our culture, which doesn't mean it's better, or worse, whatever else. Correct. Correct. But, you know, obviously, I don't like the Taliban. You know what I mean? I think that I think that people want to be free. Sure. Fundamentally. And I think ask me in 20 years how Afghanistan is. I guarantee you that Afghanistan is going to be a lot like um, it was in the 70s, vice how it is today. Yeah. And I well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully I'm right. My new book is kind of taking a deep dive into it, Um, especially Panjshir and Ahmad Shah Massoud Mm -hmm. and the resistance. And then that would have been a lot different war if he didn't get killed on the freaking what? Two days, two days before. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, his sons rose up and, you know, kind of joined the Mujahideen to to, to be their leader and and, and called out to people. But it's like, um, man, there's a lot of resistance right there. And there's that that could have went several different ways. And I think he was probably the right leader for the people. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to oppress the women. He wanted to educate the entire population. And then he had like uh, French philosophers and the CIA and my six, all these people working, you know, with him to try to better this place. And it still didn't like once you cut him off, you cut a resistance head off, and it takes a while to. I mean, think about what would have happened if they, if the Germans would have got to Churchill. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you mean, think about that. Like especially if the Germans, before he got us involved. Absolutely, yeah. right? It would have changed the history of everything. One right? person. One person, and I think you know, I think you're right about um, Masood, man. I think if they didn't kill him on September 9th with a freaking bomb and a video camera when they were essentially doing an interview with him, I think mm-hmm. it would have been a far different war. Far different. Um, well, I mean, if you're on Osama bin Laden's from his, yeah, you got to kill him. Oh yeah. This is the guy that has protected these people Mm -hmm. in that Valley time and time and time and time again. And probably you got to kill him in in a sneaky way. Yep. Uh, because he's good. Yeah. Um, and they did. And they did. Unfortunately they did. You know what I mean? As as messed up it is. I mean, and like how much, how much time, effort and money went into developing Masood and and the Mujahideen dude. Let's call it from 72 on. Oh, fucking ridiculous. Dollars. We call it dollars and man hours. And, and I don't know what the numbers would be. Yeah. I would, I wouldn't be surprised how many big bags of money were very, um, yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is my interpreter, Cameron, I've had him on the show as well. And we're, I'm writing a book now to kind of, tell about his people and our experience and um he's tajik he grew up in the same district as ahmad shah masood his dad's name is ahmad shah no shit no shit that's cool it's not the same guy but that's a common name for the tajiks you know Mm -hmm. and uh that's his bloodline and so here you know when i think back i'm writing this book you know however many you 12 years later but when i think back to him invading with us he hated them he hated the taliban yeah. And I was always like, how could this man hate his own people? It's not his own people. No. The Taliban aren't his people. Mm-hmm. His bloodline's been protecting the people of Afghanistan for a long time. Well, I mean, Or at least the people from his district. It's in interesting, right? Because, I mean, even if you think of the word Afghanistan, right? That's like, that country was made up after World War II. Like, mm. And we did, not under, we did not have the cultural understanding and or respect 
that we should have had and that I think that we have today. Mm. And the fact that, like, cool, like, you know, the Hazaras, the Pashto, and the Tajiks, right? These are their tribal areas. Like, you can't sit there and just make a country when there isn't a country. And put all of them under one reigner, one, uh, one ruler. Or, which, and what do you get at that point, right? Then you get whoever the strongest one is is going to essentially take over and not 100%. relinquish control. Which I, they actually did relinquish control. I mean, I was there. Unfortunately, it didn't last for very long because the Taliban went over. And, I mean, I don't know. I just... Uh, I think that the the way that we pulled out of there was just. Um, I think we. I want to get to that and touch on that yeah, a little heavier yeah. too. But yeah. all right, well, take me back to when, what's the fir- when's the first time you go into Afghanistan? Um, the first time I went into Afghanistan, I think was fourteen. No, yeah, fourteen. Okay, so you're there post me. I, yeah, I did Marja in ten. That was my last. That was my last deployment period. Yeah, came back, been an instructor, but in ten it was wild in Helmand. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to say my guys that went back in 11 had some pretty wild times. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like wild until we left yeah. in Hillman. Yeah. I mean, which, which that should be like a, a lesson in right there. Like if we're still in firefights, if, if coalition forces are still in firefights, you know, weekly, if not daily, why are we pulling out? Yeah. What, what what are we doing kind of thing but you know i have my own take on that and what we probably should have could have done is like cool like hey we're here now sorry but i mean we're gonna have a base over there and we're still gonna do ct operations counterterrorism operations and i mean y'all can just kind of deal with it at that point because mm-hmm. unfortunately y'all killed four thousand of our people and they originated out of here mm-hmm. obviously most of them were saudis of course that so we know that now but um Sure. You know, that's how that's kind of, you know, ultimately, like when it's broken and you can't fix it. And I mean, I understand, like, you know, doing a tactical retreat, but a tactical retreat where you kind of retreat and hold. Like Mm -hmm. we totally gave up our foothold over everything. And essentially, the second we left, obviously, you saw what happened to the government. We completely stood up that government. We stood up the armed forces. I mean, they wouldn't even go out with that ISR. You know what I mean? They were just like, no. And we, we, you know, we held we kind of. You know, obviously we were doing the best that we could when we were over there, but we had to have understood that our resources were limited because resources are always limited. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like obviously in an ideal state, an ideal world, like we would have been able to provide you with resources forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that it wasn't going to happen, especially in a democracy, which we have right now, right? Um, but, you know, ultimately I feel like we should have been like, okay, cool. Like we got Kandahar we're going to be on this hilltop and this is where the Americans are going to be. You know what I mean? Like if you continue to fuck with us, yeah, you, you know, you want to have terrorist operation stuff. We're going to have people in helicopters. that are going to come knock on your door at nighttime and you're probably not going to have a good time with it. Um, which obviously, you know, the government would have to deal with whatever they had to do. We probably would have had a sofa agreement, which we had over there, but just, man, we just kind of just bounced in two seconds. I mean, ultimately, I don't understand the tactics of bouncing either. Like, okay, let's know, say we're going to bounce. Phase five operations is transition, right? Transition is always the hardest thing, but you can't tell me that you didn't have 20 fucking years to figure that out. <laughs> 20 you know? years to figure it out, and the best you could fucking come up with was let's fall into H. Kaya? Right. Yep. And I flew in and out of there so many times, man. Then what happens, right? Marines fucking, Marines got blown up and fucking died. Fuck yeah. And, and, and like, I don't know, like, if, if, you, if you're out there in the listening audience and you haven't watched the HBO special about H. Kaya, you should watch it because what was shown here and I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm interviewing um, the gunner of eighth Marines that was on H Kaya when all that, you know, the, the, the pullout happened. Um, gunner Bill Callen this week. 
And we're going to find out from, from the horse what exactly went down. But from what I saw on the HBO special, there was so much more than what the news was covering. And then what they had to do to clear the airport was absolutely insane. Uh, okay. Just to clear the, clear the landing field of 27,000 people that didn't want to listen. Um, it's insane what, ha- what happened over there. And to think that maybe if we would have fallen in to Bagram with standoff... Bagram did have a lot of standoff. Bigger airfield. Yep. Yeah, it did. And I mean, we could had, maintain eyes on the prison instead of them, turning 5,000 people into a wave. You had the mountains all around it where you could have set up checkpoints in order to help out with the refugee flux. I don't understand. And maybe I'll never understand. Maybe maybe it's just that it was bad planning and that's what it is and we got to learn from that. Like, okay, we had some bad planning. I think it was a bad strategic decision. I think it was a good strategic decision to pull out conventional forces, but it was carried out with horrible execution. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And at mm-hmm. the end of the day, Len, like you could not have told me like Osama bin Laden right now is smiling in his waterly fucking grave right now with a picture of a fucking C-17 taking off with people hanging on to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, ultimately, like I said, I do not believe going forward in the future of armed conflict is going to be like big conventional wars. I don't think it's going to make any sense to do that. I think it will be obviously we're always going to position for power because mm-hmm. ultimately you cannot negotiate from a point of weakness. It doesn't make sense. Well, it won't work. Yeah, you'll it lose. just doesn't work. You're just going to get mowed over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it just does not work. Um, but ultimately, like that shit's going to have to be part of the past because it doesn't. It's not going to work. Resistance is always going to be there. You're going to instantly have to go to cities, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you know, look at any sort of military philosopher, right? Sun Tzu or whatever else. The last place you ever want to be is fighting in a city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, Fallujah. You're going to just lose. Yeah. Even if you win, you lose. Even if you win, you lose. That we, we've, we learned that the, kind of the hard way over 20 years mm-hmm. of how to, how to take that, which is stupid. But, and, and obviously, when you're going on a conquest or you're going to make a point like the United States is making, if a city needs to go into, you go into a city. Of course. I mean. And especially now. I mean, in Sun's day is a little bit different, you know, as far as where cities were and what cities meant, what military means or resourcing was attached to such cities. Like, cause here going after a city is probably like, if you're being smart about it, tactical nuclear warheads, you don't send people into a city anymore. Yeah. If public opinion didn't matter. <laughs> and there's that, but yeah. does it matter to China? Um, yeah, man. I you think, think to, so. I like think our to an opinion? extent, um, you mean our green dollars that we spend on boosting up their economy and everything else? I think it matters, man. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't think that they're going to want to lose that type of economy. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, I think China is capitalist now, right? They want to call it, you know, communist with Chinese characteristics is our like slogan or whatever mm-hmm. else. But trust mm-hmm. me, they, they had a couple of geographical areas that they designated to be, you know, capitalist. And there was five of them, I think, when they started off. I think there's now like a thousand. Because they're thriving. Because they're thriving. Because it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. capitalism, to me, makes sense. For sure. Right? At the end of the day, it's like, cool, do you, do you present a better product? Then your product is going to sell more. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. very fucking simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that people want to be like, oh, well, that's not fair, this and that. But that's not that's not what capitalism is. Capitalism yeah. is the very most. Very not fair. I mean. It's the most fair. It's, I would say the most fair. It's the most fair. The harder fair. you work, the better product you put out the more you're going to get rewarded for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to anybody about America that you're outside of this country. Talk to anybody. They're like, I want to go to America. 
because I can be whoever I need to be in America. So, and I mean, I think it's, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, so many Americans like want to talk shit about our own country, but like, bro, like we are very, we have a very special country here. Absolutely. You know, we have fucking two great big oceans that kept us very safe for a very long time. And we have great human beings here and you can literally do anything legally that you want to do and be as successful as you possibly can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't much hear unsuc or super successful Americans talking bad about America no. unless it fits a political agenda. Yeah. Like nobody's gonna get on and be like, Yeah man, I'm killing it, I hate it here. Yeah. Right? So what you have is a bunch of people not killing it that hate it here or for some reason feel like they just don't have the resources necessary. And it's like by being born in America, you're among like the top fifteen percent wealthiest people on the planet as far as mm-hmm. like how you live. Oh yeah. And what opportunities are for you. So if you can't make it here and like this is like a message out to you, maybe it should be a shot across the bow or or like a shock. It's like if you think that about here and you can't make it here, you will not make it anywhere else on the planet. This is the number one place to make it. Know thyself and seek self-improvement. Yeah, just get better. (laughs) Understand that you ain't killing it and there's a reason that you're not killing it. So you need to get better. Uh, And that goes for any profession. You know, the Marines, you don't have a choice. If you fall, we all fall. Mm-hmm. You, you kill it. Oh, yeah. uh, everybody else, yeah. there's lesser drastic, uh, uh, less drastic uh, consequences. Um, but what I say is, like, I think there's just a ton of people that are living uh, paycheck to paycheck and jobs that they thought they were just going to have for a little bit until they pursued their dreams. And now they're not pursuing their dreams. And they're sitting in jobs that they hate, a slave to their paycheck because life happens yeah. and they feel like they can't go do what they dream about their whole life oh, and man. what a depression no, like, make a this is what i dreamed about yeah, make a plan and execute it yeah you know what i mean like at the end plan. of the day make make a plan and execute and if that plan is where you're at right now then be the best you can possibly be at your fucking job dude yeah you know what i mean like Absolutely. cool like how do i make a little bit more money how do i get a little bit more success or whatever whatever your measure of success is and that's it's just like we got what we were talking about earlier it's just challenging yourself mm-hmm. don't ever get don't be complacent with yourself because if you're complacent with yourself, who the hell else is going to push you? Especially as an adult. Mm-hmm. If you're an adult. Well, and that's, that's why I, I mean, think mentorship do. is so and important. Um, for me, when I wasn't pushing myself, I had my mentors going, hey, how, like how many pages did you do this week? What are you doing? Yeah. Where are you at? Mm-hmm. Let's lock in. And well, it, sometimes I need that. Well, check and balance. Too, yeah, right? absolutely. Sometimes it's like, hey, humble yourself. Right. Like there's work to be done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you need to have those people around you to keep you on track. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, and I think it's depending on like how big your circle is, right? Like, you know, my wife pushes me, my kids push me. I mean, there's days where like, I look at my daughter and I'm like, dude, she's crushing me today and good on her, man. You know what I mean? Like I need to, you know, turn my little frown upside down and my like life is good and I need to push forward, dude. And, uh, yeah, because I mean, I got both of them going to Muay Thai and shit, man. So they're they're all about it, man. Good. Yeah, unfortunately, they started practicing on each other a little bit, but you know, they'll figure that out. I mean, as long as they know what tap means, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Um, but I think we're talking about like purpose and you know a void and transitioning, and I kind of wanted to you know kind of discuss that a little bit and yeah. some of the stuff that I went through. Obviously, like man, I would I would say that I chased war. I chased it like my entire career. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I got some of it, not as much as I, you know, you know, 15, 16 year old Mark thought he was going to have through sure. his, his career or whatever else, which I honestly like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know how it ever works out for anybody. I think you always want to think that something's going to be one way or not. And I mean, I think I am blessed to be where I'm at today. And, you know, 
I'm pretty healthy, pretty mentally strong and everything else. So I think it all kind of happened for a reason. But either way, you know, I got diagnosed with this thing that I couldn't avoid. I couldn't fix it. And it just happened to me, um, probably because of some of my heritage, right? Uh, mm. Jewish heritage has a higher propensity for ulcerative colitis and everything else. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I was essentially bleeding for like two straight years and I was pushing through it. I was running ANS at the time, you know, I'd, you know, go bleed a little bit, go run the candidates for a 10 mile ruck run, come back, bleed a little bit more. And I was just like, oh, this is normal, right, doc? And yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, you probably got this wrong with your whatever else. And, you know, I finally got it checked out in town. They're like, oh, yeah, you're fucked. Um, but, you know. <laughs> But think about, dude, that was a huge, like, humbling thing for me because mm-hmm. it was never like I was never the type of person that was like, oh, no, I'll push through that. You know what I mean? You're not going to tell me I can't do something. You want to you want to see me do something? Tell me I can't do it. And I'm going to yeah. try to push over and, uh, you know, overcome that obstacle. Um, but here I was, you know, I got diagnosed. I was having to get out of this job that like it ain't easy getting into special operations. Like it takes a lot of like freaking dedication, you know, in like mental endurance and a lot of sacrifice because mm-hmm. i mean shit you're away a lot you know mm-hmm. what i mean i missed a lot of my kids upbringing not so much my son because i was an instructor at the time but my daughter i mean i was gone all the fucking time i mean right. you can say the same thing like when y'all were about back to back <coughs> bumping out you're gone you sacrifice a gone. lot <clears throat> which you should um especially as a new operator you should not be home like you should there's so many different things that you can need to get good at mm. um in order and to the training that's available now oh, to hell, you yeah hell yeah hell yeah and then um you know, I was sitting there and I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I know I can't go be a team chief, which is what I was supposed to go be. Because I had this, like, realization to myself. I was typing my thesis and I was literally just, I couldn't type my thesis for more than an hour before, you know, I had to go freaking do whatever I had to do. Um, and I was just like, that would be no way of benefit to a team right now to the point where I'd be a detriment to a team. Like, if I deployed on a team right now. I'd, I'd be a detriment to them because mm. I would sit there and I would be bleeding when I was supposed to what be. What are you bleeding from? Not in a good place. Inside? Yeah. And then you have to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ulcerative colitis is uh, pretty much based off your large intestine. And yeah. you just essentially like it develops ulcers and it just eats itself and you just bleed all the time. And you don't digest food properly. It's just, it's a, it's a, no pun intended. It's a shitty disease. <laughs> Um, Roger. Yeah, whatever. That I mean, sucks. It ha- yeah, it does, it does suck. But um, you know. But you're right. Like, what yeah. are you going to do in combat if that's happening? Oh, you can't. You, you. I would not be a benefit to a team. Like yeah. my intellect, my strength, or whatever else. At the end of the day, if I was going to be sitting there worried about, you know, how close is a fucking bathroom to me, or like whatever else. I mean, I have to take medication that has to be refrigerated. Do you think you're going to have like a refrigerator for your medication when you're in a right. It just wasn't a thing anymore, and it was hard. You know what yeah, I mean? That hard. was a. That was a hard thing to swallow because I had worked really hard to get to where I was at. And I really loved where I was at. The mm. dudes that I was working with, just everything about the command, it was fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? And I was sitting there and be like, okay, cool. That's done. Now what? And then, like you said, man, um, you know, I get out and, uh, you know, I go into the mortgage industry, which I very much thought was like the road less traveled by. You know, I was just going to do this typical operator thing, like go, you know, FBI or go work for a letter agency or go yeah, con- yeah. go contract, go pick up a gun and go do something else for something else. And I was like, this is this would be like my comfort zone. So I was just like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to yeah. try something completely different. Not a day in my life did I ever think that I was going to be into mortgages. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I took the road less traveled by. And I mean, I got out into this civilian world, man. I so much found that like... I was so like bred mentally to play for keeps, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's all you, that's all you ever fucking think about when you're a Marine. Dude. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh cool. Like we're going to go fucking fight. And then, What's next? Go. What, yeah. Yeah. Um, that you get into the civilian world, man. And they, they'll sit there and talk themselves out of a good idea 
right? Over and, left, and over. over and over and over again. I was like, dude, if it's a good idea, like obviously have your like own little schema, like your OODA loop that you go through in your head. I mean, if you talk yourself out of it, that's fine. If it's a truly bad idea, but so many people have their inner critic that just sits there and just down talks themselves mm. so much that they don't ever do anything. It's like paralysis by analysis. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, cool, man. Like you could already have that done. Like you're yeah. sitting there second guessing yourself. And I was like, just put pen to paper, whatever, you, whatever your purpose is and just yep. go forth and do great things, dude. You know what I mean? Like be bold. That's right. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I very much use that into this new, new endeavor, man. But yeah, I mean, like you were talking about, man, like I instantly saw like, cool. Like I never, like obviously was part of the VFW, but never like went to their meetings and stuff. Mm, and I went there, mm. I was like, holy shit, this is like true democracy, democracy, which was kind of interesting going to their meetings and everything mm -hmm, else. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, how do I help people? How do I get back? How do I like save and raise money and so on and so forth? Because I mean, ultimately, like, I feel like I'm in a position where I can help more people than I ever probably could have when I was in as far mm. as like monetarily wise or whatever sure. else. Obviously, when you were in, like you had a little bit different. Different uh, help. Different type of help, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's that's very much what I'm trying to do today, man. As many people as I can educate, as many people as I can set up for financial success going forward. Because, dude, Marines, how much fucking... Like, what did you take the, did you take the, uh, zero? Yeah. Did you do the, the Marine, uh, the Marine finance? I mean, I did it, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that, it helps a little bit. No. Yeah. It doesn't help a lot. No, no. Um, yeah. And Marines aren't good with finances, especially during wartime turns out. Yeah. You know, especially Marines that know they're going back in seven months. Correct. They're going to come home and wild out. Yep. And then, oh my God, you made it through two or three and you have nothing to show for in your bank because of it. I was one of those Marines, yeah. like, you know, so I think it's important what you're doing. And I think it's important. Um, especially are you, are you affiliated with Skillbridge with RRG? So as far as Skillbridge goes, um, we are actually part of the care coalition is okay. how we went and did it. But no, I mean, obviously we're trying to bring people in. RRG honestly is more of a network, so it's kind of free. Okay. Um, it's I don't charge anybody for anything. And it's I really just mean like could veterans come and oh, yeah. intern at RRG for SkillBridge? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah we yeah, could yeah. definitely set them up with that type of avenue of approach, and we do. Um, and like RRG is kind of um, for like realtors that I work with, right? And then I'm on like the mortgage side of the house. So as far as the mortgage side of the house, hell yeah. We have people that are doing that already. Okay. Um, we come through, we'll train them up, teach them how to, so they can get like a taste for it or whatever else. Uh -huh. I mean, there's not a there's not a lot of sexy stuff about this job, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately mm -hmm. you're dealing with numbers. And I mean, some people are about it and some people aren't. But you can help a shitload of people mm -hmm. do this stuff because a lot of people don't realize that they can like get a house. They can get an investment property. They can like set themselves up and their families up for financial success in the future. Mm -hmm. It's just that they didn't have the training and they didn't have anybody that probably like really gave a shit about them. Mm. And I found that very early on when I first got out and like I saw like, dude, like military people, especially like in North Carolina, like we need to be like a protected fucking class. <laughs> what we do and here's why. Um, we are inherently trusting mm. and anytime that you have like that inherent level of trust, which is a hundred percent necessary for your military job, it can get abused. Absolutely. It does. It does. Around it does. here, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a 27% interest rate on that new Camaro, bro. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And you watch it happen. Like in a, a lot of our platoons, we wouldn't allow it to happen. 
Yeah. Like, hey, let's go with you. What? Uh, yeah, 20 yeah. plus. Nah, uh, out of here, dude. Yeah, I listened to the podcast on the way up here. We yeah, no, about no the, cars hey. this month. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was my platoon sergeant. <laughs> That's awesome. My platoon sergeant, Joe Wright, man. He was like that. Yeah, we're not doing marriages this month. Check back next month. Yeah. Hey, we're not doing Camaros this month. Yeah. Like, we got training to do. We're going to Afghanistan. It's just right. not on the docket. Right. What and motherfuckers would just believe him. Like, oh, well, okay, well, it, I'm getting well, tell the life I'm going to get married later. Yeah, he probably also kind of knew that, like, if he told him to not do it, they probably would be like, fuck you, I'm going to go do it. Maybe, you know what I mean? But yeah, the way yeah, he told him, Ease legit. him around. And yeah, we're going to get to it when I have some time. Yeah. I want to make sure you're not getting screwed. And he would, though. He would go out with guys. No, and 100%. Be like, no, he's charging you 27% interest. You don't know what that means. I do. I'm saving you, you're like, however many thousand dollars by not letting you do this. I'm helping you. So, yeah, that was good about that. I don't know if all commands did that or do that, but. Um, I mean, good leaders. Yeah, it's. Right. Good leaders are going to figure depends out. Depends on who's doing it. Yeah. yeah. Good leaders are going to figure out their way to help. In mm. ways that are not necessarily in their circle. Right. A lot of that's just connecting with people, right? Like, we, we didn't even know each other. We were able to help somebody. Mm. Just connected. And it was just Trust. having the faith to go out and say, hey, I need help. And whatever that help is with. Maybe you need help personally with something. Maybe you need help helping somebody. But we are much stronger, especially in the community that we come from. We're much stronger leaning on each other and asking. Hell yeah. You know, understanding you're not the best and then asking for help for that oh, improvement yeah. for sure. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times that's a hard thing for a Marine to do or, you know, just a confident adult human being like doesn't want to ask for help, doesn't. But if you ask for help, then you might get help that you didn't even know was there. Which What's the inner critic thing again, right? So mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't want to ask for help because then he's going to think that I'm not knowledgeable enough or that I'm not as financially sound right. as I should be. And, and it's like an inner critic that talks you out of asking for help. And it's the same thing when you're talking about veteran suicide, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're not asking for help because they think, A, nobody cares or it's that inner critic in their head or whatever else. But I guarantee you, if they would have called up one of their buddies that was where they were at or whatever else, that dude would help them. Absolutely. You know, he'd be like, hey, Absolutely. man, how you doing? How's your family? You want to get fucking go get lunch or grab a beer? And like just something as simple as sitting across from somebody that understands where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. It's profound. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell it, guys, tell it to guys all the time. It's like, make the call. Make the call. Because right. you might be making the call for you calling to ask for help and you might be helping the guy that picks up the phone you never know where they're at. both helping each other mm -hmm. you know what i mean if you have that thought like man i really miss so-and-so or i i should call so-and-so then you should do it right then yeah. make that call and just tell somebody even if you're doing good make a call i try to make calls to my marines all the time hey you good tracking and it might just be that but they know somebody's still thinking about them somebody's still got their Damn. back and that's comforting um I think we need to do more of that. That's another thing I liked about what you're doing with uh, raising awareness uh, to the to the Raider Foundation and then and then um, and veteran suicide, especially out of those cruises. And uh, and you even had some Gold Star family members come out and kind of talk, which I appreciated you for that. But I also appreciated that she had the yeah. you know the gumption to come out. And, it wasn't easy for her to do. No, a hundred percent. I know it wasn't. And uh, but it was real. And and I think it impacted a lot of the people that were standing there because um, not everybody's heard those stories not everybody knows those people um and, and it, it was it was impactful it was impactful to me i i really appreciate what you're doing with all of that yeah, um, i mean big every, time everybody struggles man and that's what um people kind of need to realize right mm -hmm. struggle is not weak right mm -hmm. everybody does it to let that struggle be like overcoming 
then hey, like you need to probably maybe talk to somebody or like have some mental fortitude to kind of be like, okay, cool, this is an obstacle. I need to overcome said obstacle and mm-hmm. move around it and get better. And or hey, like I am struggling with this. Like this thought has been in my head for the last couple of weeks. You know, talk to your wife. That's not a good avenue for you. Call your buddies up. You know, and it's a relationship. And what people don't realize is like once you get out, man, you have to maintain that relationship. Mm. It's not like it's work. You have to put into it. You're it only going to get out of it if you put into it. Correct. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still, uh, dude, I mean, I, I keep, I keep tight with a, you know, it's not a huge group of buddies, but you know, like you got your three to five, man. Oh, you yeah. just got to maintain your three to five shit. If everybody maintained three to five, everybody be good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and I think also like when we're talking about help, you might not be struggling, uh, uh mentally. Uh, I had Chris Jones on here. He's a JTAC special forces operator for mm-hmm. the air force. Phenomenal human being. He made a great point. He's like, we are all retiring right now. Mm-hmm. Our group of warriors that wage war for 20 years is either already retired or right here at retirement 2024. All those people from 04, 05, 06 are coming right into that. And it's like you have a wealth of people that you either served with or know somehow from your time in that are out here in the civilian world already killing it, already doing things. You know what I mean? Don't feel... But like I've watched guys have success just going on their social media. Like, Hey guys, I'm retiring in three months. I need something. Who's got something? Oh, yeah. 40 comments, dude, from just the people inside their circle that say, Hey, we got you here. We got you here. We got you here. We got you here. Hey, it's something. It's a step. You know, it's whatever. Do that. Take advantage of that. Understand that we're all out here helping people. And that's another thing I, I kind of want to segue into. Can you talk more about what the business collective does? Yeah. So the Veterans Business Collective pretty much leverages the thought of, you know, with many, you are strong, right? Mm-hmm. With many voices, you are heard, right? And that's essentially what we do, man. We, we meet up once a month. Um, there's a Wilmington chapter, a Jacksonville chapter, and there's a couple other chapters that are popping up. But essentially what it is, man, is like you have this entire like business package that you want to get into. If you're not talking about going into the contract world, but we have that stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Like literally like every day, it seems like there is a, Hey, is anybody looking for a job in Bridgeport? Anybody that's done this training or this training or whatever else mm-hmm, wants a job. Mm-hmm. And we very much, it's about supporting each other, giving each other a sense of camaraderie, camaraderie and purpose again. Mm-hmm. And we also very much like levy our legislature branches and like, you know, to actually push forward with things that are going to benefit veterans at right? the congressional level, at the congressional level. Right. Like, um, you know, like the, you know, the psychedelic and, um, some of that other stuff that's going forward in order to like help treat PTSD and everything mm-hmm, else, mm-hmm. you know, like we have very much pushed that, um, to the point where, uh, Chase Roth has went up and talked to the Senate before mm-hmm. about, you know, Hey, like, dude, I have a, I have a phone and like, I don't want to tell you how many people out of my phone, like did not seek help. And, you know, obviously started self-medicating probably. And then just kind of went down, um, down South after that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's kind of what we're all about. And I mean, ideally, you know, a guy should be transitioning, go to one of those meetings. And then at least he has 10 other people, similar backgrounds in 10 different avenues of business or wherever else yep. you want to talk about. Hey man, how is it really like where you're at? So on and yep. so forth. And a lot of those, I mean, we can recruit from that as well, man. And I mean, cause at the end of the day, like good manpower is hard to find. Absolutely. And, I mean, and then you already are talking to somebody, you're having a beer with your boss possibly, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Hey man, I got these opportunities for you. 
And, um, you know, ideally, if it's up to me, I'm trying to work with MCCS in order to get us part of the actual TRS seminar where every person that got out would actually come and talk to us for sure. an hour. We'd probably have to do it via Zoom to start off with and whatever else. But essentially what I would want to do is like, cool, you're out now. Like, hey, you want to be an entrepreneur? Here's a business package, man. Here's an accountant. Here's a lawyer. Here's a media person. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you need some business finance, we got that for you, too. But like, mm -hmm. here's your package, man. Like, it's already vetted. It's ready for ready you. Ready for you. Ready for you. If this, you know, let, <coughs> let us help you be bold. Right. You know what I mean? So that you don't just go back and go, you know, work at, you know, some whatever manager store back home or whatever else. Because that's what you, all that you think is an availability to you. Because you were an 0331 and you just think you know how to use a machine gun. I would argue that, hell no, you don't know how to just use a machine gun. You know how to lead people. Personal management and leadership skills. You know how to skills, fucking yeah. lead people, man. Tenacity. Mm -hmm. Coming into work. Showing up when you say you're going to show up. Those are big things in the nah. civilian world. Trainability. Trainability. Trainability is huge, man. Yeah. Like, if you, like, ultimately, that's what the Marine Corps really beats you into in, like, boot camp. What is discipline, right? Incident obedience to orders, which means that you can be trained. Yeah. If you don't have incident obedience to orders, at least, you know, the good orders to listen to them, then um, then where you're at. Yeah. And how can you be formed for, for something else if you couldn't be formed for that? Yeah. Yep. I, I mean, really that's, that's ultimately what we select upon, man. Yeah. And so... Uh, how often does the collective meet? Like quarterly or? Uh, we it... meet once a month. Once yeah. a month. Once okay. a month. Yep. And then there's a coffee social once a month too. But um, and then we're we're endeavoring to kind of make you know some sort of like a social type event like once a quarter, not to make it too much, right? Because sure. ultimately everybody's hustling. Everybody's yeah, yeah. you know got families and everything else. But um, you know we meet once a month, man. Um, we show up. It is somewhat structured in the beginning, and that structure really makes it a little bit like it makes it you know kind of profound because you know you're gonna hear where everybody's coming from what tribe they come from what mm -hmm. the business they do and everything else and then right afterwards then you can go out and seek out that person and find them exchange cards information have a chat see i've been i've been part of a, a group like that or i've i've went to a, a group like that let's say is meeting uh, up in ohio where where i've got some family and my dad's you know he's heavy into it and theirs is almost like a lead generation um uh, resource where, you know, once a month or once a quarter, they're going to show up. And with theirs, it's like, they only have one, um, you're talking about BNI. Yeah. So they only have one mm -hmm. person in that profession. So there might be 40 people that show up there, but they're the only one representative for that chapter that does real estate and then only one that does mortgage finance and only one that does gutters and only one that does yep. podcast. Mm -hmm. and only, so when they come, you're getting 39 leads potentially from people wanting to come do your podcast, go do your gutters, go do your auction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great, but that's not how this is. There could be multiple Oh yeah. And this, oh, okay. No, hundred percent. No. Yeah. There's not just like one person that seats or whatever else. Anybody that's a veteran, you can come. Like obviously mm -hmm. it's more geared towards business, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. um, obviously if you're doing just like contractor GS sure. type of stuff, but I mean, even those guys still will show up because there's a level of camaraderie there. Sure. Because dude, I mean like, well, and they could recruit potentially too. Like, hey man, I got can. a great GS job mm -hmm. for you. Somebody in your lane or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately like, I mean, but these are all guys that have kind of already figured out. I mean, there's dudes that have been in business for 20 years. There's million, mm -hmm. there's multi-millionaires there and everything yeah. else. And like, you can be a young corporal just got out, doesn't know anything about business. You can show up there and at least you can get some mentorship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exchange some numbers, find some people who 
have made the mistakes that you were going to make and try to make yourself somebody that's generally going to give a shit about you right and they're going to be like cool man what's your what's your plan i mean you're you're going to talk to somebody and they're going to try to help you Mm -hmm. ultimately Mm -hmm. And that's what people are there for. They're there to help you. Mm-hmm. They're there to come yeah. together and say, hey, how, what, can I, what can I do How to can make I help your you? business How better? can I help you? Absolutely. Yeah, I love that, dude. And, and, and it's going to be successful. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And the bigger it gets, just the more that evolves into, you know, I would say an unstoppable resource for an entrepreneur yep. if you're in the area. Well, and then even more than that, right? The more members that we have, the bigger voice that we have, and the more things that we can be like, cool, like you know, veterans do need to be a protected class in North Carolina. Let's mm. now we can actually go talk about that. And we actually have like names on a petition and so on and so forth. Right. Absolutely. With many voices, we are strong, man. This is how it's going to be. It can't just be one person talking all the time. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So what, what do you have on here that I don't know about? Um, what do you so, got going on? So you haven't talked about the village mission yet. Um, yeah, I want to hear more about that, it. So, you know, it was, um, a JSOC guy and another Marine Raider, um, they got out. They were actually a member of the Honor Foundation cohort together, and they came up with, you know, one of these things after we pulled out of Afghanistan. Okay. It's called the Village Mission. And um, not to get in super deep into the weeds about how they do what they do, because obviously there's some uh, some connections there. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what they're doing is, you know, it's very much about combating human trafficking, which yeah. frankly speaking, like if you traffic in people, like I think you're fucking scum. Absolutely. And, and just, it's disgusting. For any reason. <clears throat> any reason at all. Yeah. Um, but it's also about helping out our allies that um, were left behind over there in Afghanistan and how they get those people out using, um, you know, some of the things that they kind of knew sure. from previous lives um, and getting them out. But essentially, obviously, like the guy that thought it up, I mean, this guy's got a heart of gold, man. Like literally like put all of his money, his own money into it and whatever else. Sure. And, um, you know, they've set up the infrastructure in order to help people out. It's just now it's talking about funding and, uh, yep. you know, the more funding that they can get. I mean, you can go on my website, RaiderRealtyGroup.com and you can donate. It'll go straight to them. Um, and, you know, they're trying to gather $12,000 and that gets the first family, whole family out okay. and to safety. And then obviously once, once that is completed, it's rinse, wash and repeat. I fear yep. that, yep. but I mean, you know, ultimately I look at it like this, man, is, uh, you keep turning your back on allies, like you're going to wind there up with that, either. right? And it, money doesn't mean like, that's not deep. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, when it's like, cool, like, Hey, come, come help us out in the future or whatever else, man, yeah. they're, they're going to have a memory of how that, how that went down, how that turned out the last time. Yeah. And I, and I would argue that like the point to point, like you and your interpreter, man, like y'all are still tight. You know yeah. what I mean? We had, I had guys that I knew over there and then great, great human beings, dude. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, um, they're just stuck. They're just stuck right now. And they're stuck in a tyrannical regime over there. That's literally, man, like, I don't, it's not mainstream because the people are just we're frankly sad though. Well, they're just frankly sick of Afghanistan. Like they're fr- sick of news of Afghanistan. But yeah. I mean, the shit that's going down over there is not pretty. No, it's not good. And, um, you know, humans shouldn't be treated like that. No. Um, I agree. And I mean, I think, you know, we are the wealthiest nation in the world still. And I mean, I think we can help, you know what I mean? Like, um, they, like you as an American can donate and actively, you know, be like, I donated, I helped to get a family out and you, I mean, I'd sleep better at night. Absolutely. I think that we need to help. And that's been one of my longtime crit- critiques about this pull out and about how we just operate when we're done with war, we just cut everybody loose and we bail, we get who we can get, and everybody else is fine. It's like, that is not the ethos of the warfighter. That is not the American way, in my opinion, is just, oh, well. It's like, what happens when we need them again? Right. Like, when we go invade this next country, how many of their indig- 
personnel are going to be lining up to help us after they watch what we just did to these people. Yeah. Shit matters, man. Yeah, it's going to matter. Yeah. You know, it's going to matter in the war that my kids fight. Unfortunately, right. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully people can kind of figure out globalization and realize that hey, like we're all going to be a lot better with each other. Um, I know we're always going to have militaries in order to like you know show force or whatever else, but I'm truly hopeful in the future that uh, our kids don't have to fight an next big war, man. Because I uh, hope not. They got MRAPs and MATVs now and Cobras. Yeah, they so. got all sorts of shit, man. Um, but shit, I mean, at the end of the day, like. Let's be honest. They, they probably wouldn't mind living in America either. Oh, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some people say they hate us because they ain't us. Yeah, well, that may be true in this yeah. instance. There could be a lot of hate when you dude. you don't even have the opportunity that our citizens complain about. Yeah. Well, I think fundamentally, mm -hmm. man, once, once, once you get knowledge, like open knowledge, which is the internet is very much helped out with that, man. Mm -hmm. Once that is, once that's come and you can really like, you know, use a little bit of critical thinking and be like, oh, this is how it actually is. Not what you just told me. Right. Um, and you take that knowledge away. They're not going to just be cool with that. Nobody's going to be okay with you being all like, cool. What are you saying? I had like the fucking key to every library in the world mm -hmm. and you just took it away from mm -hmm. me. They're not going to be cool with that. No, no, that's my hope. I hope that in the twenty something years that we were there we ignited a spark within them mm -hmm. that may not be realized for 10 no, years no, it no. may not be realized for 15 years but when them kids that were going to school start getting to man man military age male age and they start to get recruited in but they had a little bit of education mm -hmm. they had a little bit of freedom yep internet they had a little bit of peace yep. yeah and maybe that was going back to the beginning of why we want to educate our enemies because if our enemies continue to be people who are radically shifted via the Quran, the Bible, whatever right. they use to put it's, it's genius. It's a it's, little bit of evil genius. Yeah. Um, but if it's a cultural thing that can be educated out because of open flow of information, then maybe that's why we try to train them. And maybe that's why we try to build them back up. You know, with knowledge is power, right? But, um, you know, I think, unfortunately, there's some people that want to use knowledge for nefarious reasons. For sure. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I think knowledge sets you free. And there's not, there's, you can't fake all that shit. You can't sit there and lie to them. And, of course, you know, you want to go back to Goebbels, right? The big mm -hmm. lie. Your people believe what they hear often mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. else, right? But that shit doesn't even matter, right? Because, I mean, who won? Like, the Nazis lost. Sorry, bud. Like, yeah. you know, fuck you and your regime. And, um, like, knowledge is just... It's, it's everywhere, bro. And they're, dude, give it another 20 years, there's going to be fucking ISR above Afghanistan just kicking down Wi-Fi to them. I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to be I mean, they're way. doing it in Ukraine, right? With yeah. Starlink and mm -hmm. stuff to keep their yeah. keep it's, their stuff open. We're interconnected now, man. And it just doesn't mm -hmm. make sense that, um, you know, until, like, we really start trying to vie over, like, just resources. But I think hopefully we're smart enough to get away from, like, oil and that type of resource type of stuff. Um, it just doesn't benefit us to fucking be in conflict with each other. And it's never going to benefit a regime to take knowledge away. No. Now, obviously, if you look at like China and us, we have a very like different kind of like apparatus, right? They have a lot more control over their population. Yep. But at the end of the day, their population is okay with that. And they've signed that social contract. Maybe right their, now, right? Right now. For now. For now. Their population's exploding into the streets as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see how that goes. But eventually, like... It's the thing about China. There's a lot of do there's a lot of people over there and when they get wised up to say, No, the rest of the world is not welded in their apartments, we're right. coming out. Yeah. You're gonna have to make a change at some point. Right. At some level there will mm -hmm. have to be a change yeah. or else they'll have a people like freedom. 
they'll have a big issue on their hands over there. People like to be free, man. Yeah. People like to think what they want to think, and they want to read what they want to read, and they want their daughters to go to school, mm -hmm. and they want their daughters to be just as successful as they are. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if obviously I'm a Western person, so that's my Western thought process or whatever else, but I mean, I can only think about how I would like to be treated, right? Treat others as you would want to be treated, right? The golden rule, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. It would make sense. Um, and uh, ultimately, man, I just don't think it's going to work out in the future for anybody that wants to fucking try to, you know, hold somebody down. Yeah, do you think that it's so crazy because there are certain countries that control what internet gets in and gets out of their country, right? Yeah. Until people get smart and they have VPNs and fucking We're, go through those firewalls. Or right. Else. I'm just saying, have we reached a level of tech and of interconnectability that everyone on the globe should know what freedom is at least have seen it or not you think oh, we're not man. there because there's a lot of rock villages that i invaded in the middle east right that didn't have there's no way mm -hmm. so you think we're 10 years out from everybody having satellites that give them all wireless internet uh, maybe not 10 you know what i mean but i think in the next like 20 years i think 20 years if you look at technology what would a regime do like if you what were you, what if you, you were do? Korea and you can't stop that and now they have access to what really is going on, you, then what? You know the South Koreans send balloons over there with, with information. Oh fuck yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. At the end of the day, bro, like information is power and information is free for mm -hmm. the most part. Mm -hmm. Obviously, of course, you can pay for like whatever you want to do, but I mean, at the end of the day, like truth. Yeah, like even our own NGOs, dude, are getting up. are getting most intelligence these days from open source. Oh, yeah. Because people just put well, it out. it's faster. Yeah, it's fast. And people, you don't have to break any rules. You don't have to snoop. It's like, oh, okay, I know your whole schedule. Yeah. I know what you ate and what yeah. it looked like. Yeah, we're too interconnected, man. People, <laughs> people, people want to put on their, like, tinfoil hats and shit and then carry a cell phone in their pocket. <laughs> I understand that they're listening. I just accept it. It's yeah, like, bro. Well, this is part of my life. That they're going like, to have to know. Well, it's just, you know, and it, I don't like it. Well, no, it's a social contract that we have with our government, right? But the social contract is supposed to be where you're not, like, you're not supposed to be invading my home. Yeah. Right. Like, obviously, if I'm out in the public spaces and interacting in the public, then cool. Like, you have the right to fucking make sure that I'm not going to hurt somebody else or whatever else. But inside my own home, like, we should have a level of privacy there. But, um, you know, and well, it's and just, companies and private companies. Oh, yeah. If you're yeah. a private company, there's no reason that the, you know, uh, Congress or the White House should be keeping an eye on you. No. Unless. And I don't think for unless any reason, like until they're till you have made it. But then it's like, how do they know? Yeah. Well, like, you do some dumb shit. And you, I mean, nowadays, I mean, they you get, got, if you get flagged, yeah, you're going to get you're going to get flagged. But well, there's just unfortunately, there's a there's like a weird thing nowadays where people want to get famous doing evil shit. You that's just, I mean? just click shit, just, dude. That's famous just, shit. It's disgusting. And, uh, you know, stuff like that is unfortunately like, you know, you post on Facebook that you're about to go do something like you should have a cop knocking on your door that day. 100%. You know, straight up. If you say that you're you going mean to fair, hurt, like if you're going to hurt, hurt somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah there should be, there should be, there should be re repercussion to that. Um, yeah, because if I tell you I'm going to come kill you, there should be repercussion to that too. You should call the cops and be like, hey, this dude just said he was going to come kill me. If you're worried about that in a real way, <laughs> if you're really worried yes, that that was a real thing. Mm -hmm. Like, because you're not allowed to do that. That's no. that's threatening, uh, right. violence by threat, and that's against the law. Well, that's the thing about should be against the law on the internet too. Absolutely, it's the thing mm -hmm. about freedom, right? So my freedom is fine as long as my freedom doesn't, doesn't affect your freedom overly impinge on your freedom. Yeah. And, but ultimately, we we have a social contract with the government so yeah. that I don't have to worry about you coming and taking my lunchy, <laughs> my lunchable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I just think that time and time again, and I'm a little. <laughs> I don't usually say this on here, but I'm a little disenfranchised. 
like because it's like time and time again we have evidence of wrongdoing at high levels and time and time again nothing happens kind of thing and it's like for me and you there's a certain level of rules and then for other people there's a certain level of rules and then for these people over here there's some different rules that they get to go by and i think it's just america in general is fed up with that like and and i think it's all political sides all political parties are guilty of doing the same kind of well it's a it's it's the old adage right absolute power corrupts absolutely absolutely and i think that um we have these politicians which i appreciate them being you know in politics for a while so they understand how to get things done but there should be term limits 100%. right you know what i mean like you shouldn't like shouldn't well, just that's be the, a that's politician the, for the rest of your fucking life right you should be no, like 100 cool, percent cool like i serve my country just like you can't be in the military for your whole life you know what I mean? You do yeah. 20, 30 fucking years and you're like, cool, man, thank you for your service. And now go Move forth along. and do others, do something else. But we have politicians that can essentially spend their entire adult lives in politics. And you can't tell me that that's normal. You have lost reality with what America actually Especially is. when they're getting rich, richer and richer and richer the whole time. It's yeah. like you're just becoming detached from your con- constituencies Correct. year by Correct. year. Yep. I think that's a, another telling thing. Like when you look at, um, let's just take the fallout. When the Taliban stormed Kabul and we're finally out of there, how old was their average guy that was taken over and put being put in seats? He's a little older than some countries, but he's not like us. Like, you wouldn't have your grandmother at 80-something years old go watch your dogs for the weekend. I'm, I'm highly confident. Yes. I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call my grandma up and ask her to do anything, much less run the damn country. And And all these other countries around us, they have younger governments, and there's a reason they have younger governments, right? Right. We need to help. Like, that has to happen. And, and like, when I look into it, I think you could have, I don't even think executive order from the president can do it. So I think the only way you do it is them vote themselves into term limits, which won't happen. Won't that be or, profound? Wow, wouldn't that be profound, dude? Well, they it would take a bunch of them. It, it would take a bunch of them, right? It would have to be a movement. But the only other way that I understand like constitutionally that anything can happen is called a constitutional convention of the states mm-hmm. and that takes a certain petition with a certain amount of names signed on to it from a certain amount of states to to hold a majority and then they have to act on something but they don't necessarily have to do anything i don't think like i don't know how that would work would it be a president saying hey i'm running on this and I don't Dude, how bold would it be if the president's first executive order is that he was going to only do four years, right? Like he would never do it because they'd be like, oh, well, I'm a lame duck president or whatever else. But at the end of the day, like you want to talk about leadership, president gets it would there. take a guy on a second term to do it, right? Somebody that just said, I'm coming in. He only has one term left. And it's like, all right, baby, everybody after me gets one term. Well, I'm it, less concerned about the president I having term ha- limits than the. Yeah, well, he only gets to do eight years. He only gets eight years. Some of these senators are getting 12, however many years they want. They just sit and sit and sit and sit. Well, it's interesting that we've ratified, you know, the Constitution um, in certain ways. But nowadays, if you ever talked about actually, like, putting in, like, to ratify the Constitution, people would think that you're crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's supposed to be a living document. Mm -hmm. You know? And Mm -hmm. I mean, frankly speaking, I think the president should be for six years. Because four years isn't enough to really implement change. You should do one six-year term, and you should say thank you. And pass. And that's it. That's it. You get to run. You get one six-year term. I think we should put an age limit on the president, too. I really do. That shouldn't be up to backdoor physicals that aren't released to the public about the commander-in-chief of the country on on his uh, physical and mental ineptitude. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be something that I, as as an American citizen, wonder if my president is even okay yeah. to do menial yeah. tasks let alone you know because it's not like it's an easy job i wouldn't yeah. say that to anybody the stress 
uh, I couldn't, I can't uh, even imagine. Uh, involved in it, the anxiety involved in making every decisions single every day. single day, constantly throughout the day, every day. And, uh, like, it's amazing that some of our presidents have even had the, the ability to do it at their ages and that their, you know, their declines. But I think that's something that's necessary as well. And, like, the Constitution was written by a bunch of 20 year olds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bold, and bold people, ass, and people forget about that. Yeah, 20 ass, 20 year old kids, the same ones fighting your wars right now, uh, were the ones that came together and wrote this living document, this beautiful, uh, yeah, change the world document. And, uh, and now we have a, you know, a much older government, a much older, um, established government that, um, I think seems for, to try to tear it apart. You know, what I wish they would do to, and kind of implement as far as education goes is I think that, you know, throughout is at least in high school, they should really deep dive into Rome mm. and actually how Rome actually went about was created the demise and everything else. And if I think if the American populace really did a deep study of Rome, maybe we wouldn't repeat it. We would figure out some things. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, call it crazy. You know, yeah. if I'm president for a day, I'm gonna be like, "Cool, Rome literature, teach teach Rome." That's it. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I could walk away and sleep happy. You know, obviously I'm gonna make a million mistakes, but well, some uh, people aren't gonna like the teachings of Rome these days. But oh, whatever, you know, man. History you, is man. history. Like obviously, yeah. like I know how history gets. It's by written by the victor and everything else. And there's mm. obviously the way it actually happened, and then the way that we think it happened. I mean, I get that. That's time. Mm -hmm. Time's going to do that with anybody. And ultimately, I think for the most part, you're either going to remember things that were super vivid or you're going to think the better things. Because for mm -hmm. the most part, people like to think about the past as being better than the future or present. But that's not necessarily true, right? Civilization progresses. It does not retract. Right. Unless for very Afghanistan retracted, right? The 70s in Afghanistan. Way better place than now. Way better. Freaking hydroelectric plants. Yep. You know, like, you Westernized know, guards weren't covered up. Yeah. They, you know, women were able to go to school. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. You know, everything else. But um, for the most part, if you look at the civilization as a whole, it progresses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, you know, having a little bit of knowledge about how other republics, you know, imploded mm -hmm. um, would not be a bad thing for our republic. Mm -hmm. I think that most of our kids don't understand our own constitution and our own government. No. To show them Rome. Like, I, I think, I th and I'm not saying that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. No. But, like... I think um, it would give them a basis of knowledge. Yeah, definitely. You know? And, and if you really want to talk about Rome, I mean, you know, in order to be a Roman politician, you had to serve. Yeah, imagine that. And not only just had to serve, but initially you had to have your own armor and your own sword mm -hmm. and then to serve. And then, obviously, you know, they then just started vying for who, you know, had the most conquest or whatever else, which was part of the implosion, implosion of it. But, mm -hmm. I don't know. A lot of Stoics come out of that area too, and I'm a big fan of the Stoics, Stoic philosophy. It's a great philosophy. Least. Yeah, yeah. Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, and many of them that I read and study. We should pro probably all be doing that. You yeah, know? but it's not a bad uh, philosophy. Yeah, man. Well, listen, dude, we've been going for a little while. Yeah, bro. Um, nah, man, I, I appreciate I, it. I think it's been it's been an insightful conversation. I would like to maybe have have you back. Um, and we'll talk offline maybe about that. But I, I'm very interested in your thesis mm -hmm. and kind of doing a deep dive into that maybe. Yeah, for sure. I would be happy and, to. Um, I love history, man. I love history too. And I, I, I kind of, I wrote my, my uh, you want to call it a thesis, but my final, uh, my biggest paper in, in uh, 
in school for uh, Homeland Security, I wrote on Putin. Okay. And I'd like to compare some of oh, that, yeah. compare yeah. and contrast yeah, some switch. of that stuff and, okay. uh, and, uh, and do it up. But I, I appreciate you coming out and giving us a, giving us a shot to, to hear some answers and hear, you know, question you and see where you come from and what you've been doing. So again, guys, if you, uh, if you took anything away from this episode, please share it out to, to the guys that are transitioning. You got Raider Realty Group, uh, the business connections that Mark has. Everything's going to be, I'm going to hyperlink everything, all of his contact information and his platforms in the episode. So make sure you check on that. And, uh, and again, if you can give any, even if you can give $10 guys, guys that are in my community, uh, to, to the foundation going over to get guys out of, get, get, get other individuals out of, uh, out of Afghanistan and different war-torn areas, man. We need twelve thousand right off the jump to get the first family, and uh, and I'm I'm assuming that a lot of you guys can make that happen. So uh, if you're feeling giving, you're feeling charitable for the holidays, jump over to his site and let's get somebody home that uh, you know laid it out on the line so that we could be there um, uh, and be here safe and at home. I appreciate you guys, Mark. You got any any final words, parting shots? Uh, I mean, I just want to thank you for your uh, for your time, man. And just you know, if anybody's out there, you know, struggling or whatever else, by all means, man, pick up the phone, call somebody. You can call me. Absolutely. We'll have a conversation about whatever you need to have a conversation about at the time, dude. And uh, just to the general audience, man, just take care of one each other, maintain those relationships because those relationships are important. Absolutely. All right, guys. There you got it. Until next time. Choices, not chances. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks for listening to Choices Not Chances podcast. Please share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters, specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger, we have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking a building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Funny.